Todd, Robert Walker here, along with Caleb Pierce, and we are Sheep Things Podcast. Our goal with this podcast is to get down to the basics with industry leaders, associations, breeders, owners, vets, suppliers, and anyone else we can find to hear their stories and firsthand experiences. Hopefully, we will ask the right questions to see what makes them successful, how they got started, and what they see for the future of the sheep industry. We hope to have something new weekly that we can share, so stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates as they are published. Stay tuned as we try to share our learning experience with you all as we dive into the sheep industry together. This is Season 1, Episode 7. This is Part 2 of our conversation with 25-year Katahdin breeder and former KHSI President David Copeland of Birch Cove Katahdins in Fulton, Missouri. Had a few uh, technical issues with this conversation, but still a lot of fun. And we learned a lot about David's management styles and uh, what his genetic selection, what he likes to see in in his breeding animals. So I hope you enjoy this uh, part two of our conversation with David Copeland. So one, one, thing I'm, one thing I'm curious about, um, you know, you, you've done a lot, you know, breeding for, for easy care sheep and, uh, you know, we've, we've talked over the last couple of years or so about your system and, and, uh, you know, you, you have some, some pretty nice, easy care sheep and, um, you know, that those traits take a little bit longer to build and there's not really an EBV for, for this use easy and this one's hard. Um, what are some ways that you've kind of selected for for easy care, whether that's, you know, lambing ease, whether that's, you know, hooves, um, you know, some people don't like to trim hooves. Do you, uh, I don't know if you trim hooves or not, but, um, you know, and then just, you know, general I mothering. Do, and- I do all that. I do all that stuff, Caleb, on an as needed basis. Mm-hmm. I don't trim hooves prophylactically, but if I see somebody limping, I'll sure take a look at them. Yeah, and frequently it's just a rock or a thorn or something. But uh, we've pretty much stopped here about ten years ago. Um, we got another forty acres, about three quarters of a mile from the house, and we just run them up and down the county gravel road. <laughs> and it's re- it's remarkable how you know you do that four or five times a year, and uh, you don't have to trim hooves very much. <laughs> But as to how as to how I got there, Nancy Case tells me I've killed all the ones that can't manage my can't handle my management style. Okay, um, I I've been Brad told that too. Now. So it's it. I take that as a compliment, you know. Um, me too. You know, me yeah, too. I mean, I mean, you're not you're you're not doing the the breed any favors. Yeah. If you're pulling twenty five percent of your lambs, if you're having to, you know, go to extraordinary lengths to keep them alive. Uh-huh. Well, I like to say you out of the gene pool into the freezer, you know, that's <laughs> your highest use. Yeah. And, I mean, they're meat animals. That's yep. what, that's what yeah. we're doing. You know, don't, <laughs> they're not pets. They're not, you know. It, it's and, funny. I, I joke with people sometimes. I'm like, so here, here's a way to tell, how your 
which ones are your easy keepers? Think through your flock and, and, and you know, you have to have at least 25 views, you know, maybe a little bit more to, to make this actually work. But I tell people, so think through your flock and try to write down on memory which sheep you have. And the ones you forget, those are the ones that, that are probably your easy keeper those sheep. good ones. That's right. Yeah, they're just, they're just out there. They're yeah. just producing. Yeah, exactly. If you remember them, that's probably because you've had to, to uh, treat them when they're sick or you've had to pull their lambs or you've had to, you've had to do something to them. And so you're like, oh, yeah, that you. I, I remember that you. But the other so, you that's out there just so like, oh, yeah, I forgot I had her. She's the one that's producing for you and not giving you problems. Don't be afraid to call. I mean, you know, all the sheep aren't worth keeping. Yeah. Now, when I was, when I was starting... Oh man, I never saw you. I didn't like. Right, but you need to learn. Start getting up, up to your care. You get, start getting closer to your carrying capacity, and you can say, "Oh yeah, okay." You know, this one won't respect the fence. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, and that's a that's a good when you, when you started. You said twenty five while ago, Caleb. That that's a great point because when I had twenty five sheep, you know, I knew all of them. And, uh-huh. and I did, you know, I, I probably didn't do that much more work to them, but I valued their lambs more because I needed those lambs to grow my flock. And now I'm at that 80 to 90 to 100 range all the time, and it fluctuates. And uh, and now it's no big deal because I can keep 20 or 30 extra next year just the same. So I don't have to right. be as uh, – you know, I can grow pretty quick now. It's it's no big deal. So I don't put up with nothing, you know. Well, I had I, I had had a couple customers call me in the last week or so, and I put them off waiting until we got this latest NSIP run back. But, you know, wants to buy 20 or 30 U's or U lambs. Uh, okay. <laughs> um I I might have wanted to keep some more back this year, but no. If you've got cash in your hand, I'll sell them yeah. to you. You know, and um, yeah, I'll yeah. have more next year. Yeah, are you seeing an increase out there with with all this COVID stuff? I know out here it's been people are going crazy for meat um, and and animals, trying to raise their them themselves. It was funny. There was a, a guy um, that uh, my folks were talking to and. And, you know, he was saying people are just going to the auction and they are buying up whatever they can find and, and scheduling butcher dates. Um, and, and I've, I've gotten quite a few calls from people wanting sheep and whether that's breeding stock or just, just meat animals. Um, have you seen an increase out there? And I've seen a bunch of, of, of meat animals. And, you know, I called a friend of mine who runs a, uh, organic grocery store in Columbia. And I said, uh, were you thinking about buying? You know, Chelsea said, Jake, that you might want some sheep. And he said, I do. I'll take as many of them as you can get slaughter dates for. <laughs> wow. Which, which turned out to be none. None. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 we're out into July on, on slaughter dates. Yeah. State inspection. And Do I talk out three, four weeks? 
Yeah, I talked to a guy in Alabama right. last week, and he their his processor's out to October already, and I hadn't given it that any thought. So I called my processor the next day. And I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, and he and he said they were out through July, and only because the USDA has has backed up on letting their inspectors out as much, and he can only do red meat one day a week now. So he's got a he's got a backlog but people are not really uh, lining up because they right now, I guess they don't seem like July is that long away, you know, but I bet you a dollar, it won't be too long. He'll be October too. Yeah. Yeah. Ours is out mm-hmm. to October and, uh, and they, they do USDA inspected and uh, then they also do just custom um, on the side and, and they're, they're full out through October um, what that actually brings up a, a question. Um, so you, you mentioned a, a state program. So do you have a, a state program as well as USDA program out there? Yes. And the state is the equivalent of a USDA inspection inside state borders. Yeah. Um, you know, they can, they can, you can sell it to a restaurant. You can, you know, sell it by the piece, whatever, just like you could any USDA slaughtered stuff. Can you yeah. do that, Caleb, there where you're at? We can't. So we we only have USDA. We don't have a state program. Um, and so, you know, there's there's only, I think, I don't know, a handful of, of facilities in the state. I mean, there's only like really one that, that will process USDA lamb here with in four, five, six hours. Um, and so, you know, that, that, prices go up when you only have one facility and they're so busy you know lambs are harder to process and they can process as many cattle as they want so um you know sheep are kind of a hassle and so um you know i've I've been looking into doing a a, you know trying to push a a state meat inspected program here um in the state because it would help a lot of small producers i think be able to to maybe have access to some of those those markets yeah, we need that here about, in Tennessee. i don't know about where you guys live but around here the custom slaughterhouses are shutting down huh you know there's i mean there's still a fair number of them but not like not like when i was growing up you know yeah, yeah. most of them here are real i mean they're deer season only guys you yeah, know, and then well, these, they shut down. These people stay open year round, but they make all their money during deer season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the rest of the rest of the time, they'll they'll butcher something for you. You know, but if they're not interested, or uh, if you want something a little different, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. So, kind of getting into your market a little bit. Um, has your market always, you said you've been working for a while at getting a new market. Um, and you said you, you started to get that now. Um, so maybe walk us through, trying you know, to, kind of, trying to get into that is Islamic market. Yeah. yeah and I finally yeah. started to do that. Yeah. And so it took years, it took me 20 years. Wow. Is that more of a comfort? To, yeah. Is that more of a comfort level with them to you? I think that, you know, they had a co-religionist that was providing them with, with live animals. Gotcha. And 
that guy finally aged out and they mm-hmm. started looking um, because, you know, I let them slaughter on the place. It's not a problem. Um, pull my tractor bucket up, uh, dispose all the offal for them and stuff, let them use my air compressor um, to blow the hide off. I mean, you can't help them right. because that's an entirely different thing legally, but you can right. sure let them do it. And I don't have a problem. And these guys are great. I mean, um, I'm kind of a history guy, geography guy. I know where all these countries are and, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit about the history. And you just visit with them and, wow, they're, you know, as I said to one of them the other day, I said, now, would that be, would it be appropriate for me to say Allah and Shala? And he said, you know who Allah is? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a rube. I, you know, um, they just want to be treated like like human beings. Yeah, there's a guy here close to uh, us. Uh, probably, he's probably an hour east of me. And I went the very first sheep presentation I went to was at a Dorper meeting, and uh, and he gave his presentation that uh, he built a uh, uh, probably a twenty by twenty top uh, garage, you know next to his barn and he has like a little four board uh with a wire panel corral around it and um and his ethnic market uh would would call him up and say hey we need two lambs and uh and they would tell him what day they're coming and he would put six in a pen if they wanted two he'd bring six uh-huh. and um and he'd always throw in one big junky one that he couldn't get rid of because they always thought they were getting a better deal on the big one and that was the easy way to get rid of a big one and uh but anyway yep, he, yep. he said that uh he, he built this barn specifically for it he had counters around the side he had a drain right in the center he had a water hose and uh, uh and the tractor bucket uh he had a, a roll-up door on both ends opposite ends one for them to back their truck up and then one on the other end for him to go out the back with his bucket after they left and he said it they would they would leave the cash there for him he was never there usually and uh said it was a great uh relationship and people came from all over the state once they started talking then they just trusted you know that guy and uh and people come from everywhere we did we did 17 on le a couple of years ago and, you know, these guys, they'll bring their entire family out and the kids oh, yeah. will be playing soccer in my driveway. And uh, grandma and grandpa will be sitting there in recliners or, or in lawn chairs, you know. And I, it's just uh, they brought me coffee and little dessert treats and dates. And, you know, and they're just mm-hmm. they're so gratified when you say, well, are, are these dates, you know, dates? said yeah and uh, they're rolled in honey and sesame you know sesame seeds yeah (laughs) and i like you people too you know i'm not scared of you on the flip side i had another friend that wanted to get into that and he built a little place next to his barn (laughs) and and they the first probably 10 people that come to him uh got in there and uh and he he hung their uh, or brought their lambs to them, and of course they killed them. But they're like, 
what, how do we do this? Do we slit her throat? Do we, he goes, Oh no, no. Y'all supposed to know how to do this. Sure. You know? <laughs> I cannot and do that. That's you know? right. And and he said after a while, he just, he, he, too many people were wanting him to do it. And he finally quit doing it. You know, no. uh, I don't, I, I don't do that. And well, um, and most of them were younger they, generation too. So they probably hadn't been schooled on the, the whole process. Like, like an exactly. older woman would have been. Exactly. Well, and I'm, I, I'm seeing these guys, uh, come out with young kids right? and showing the kids what they're doing. You Teaching know? them. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. So what a, kind of, I, 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 I've just, enjoyed that aspect of, of getting to know people from another culture. Right. Mm -hmm. So as far as like prices and all that go, how do you sell it then? Since you're obviously not getting a hanging weight, you're not getting a, a finished process weight. Do you sell them live weight? Um, and, I, sell them, and you, I sell them live weight. Okay. Uh, $3 a pound. If I'm taking it to the locker plant for you, you're mm -hmm. paying the processing, but I'll take it in and uh, pick it up and deliver it to you for $3 a pound live weight. Okay. If you come out to the farm and want, and want to kill two and a quarter. Okay. Because I just don't have the hassle of, of having yeah. to, you know, take it someplace. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, is that what your market originally was? Um, or, or is it changed over the years? You said you, you sell a, a grocery store. Um, you know, have you done restaurants or, or kind of what has your market evolved over the years or has it kind of always been consistently just a, a mixture of several markets? It's a mixture of several markets. And in my mind, grocery stores and um, I'm getting back into a different grocery store now, just a little place. I mean, the last time I sold to a grocery store, same type of a setup, you know, small organic place. Well, they would complain because it was, the price was different every time. Well, it wasn't, my price that was different i was charging the same amount per pound but they'd want the locker plant the state inspected locker plant to do things different uh -oh. or change stuff or you know well that's between you and him you know that's not you know <laughs> that's not my deal it's it, it, it's your lamb and they're mm -hmm. cutting it like you told them you wanted it cut yeah i i, I don't have any control over that price mm -hmm. um and then they'd say, but we don't know what to charge a pound because we get a different amount of meat. I said, well, yeah, <laughs> you'll get a different amount of meat off of two identical hundred pound lambs, depending yeah. on how you cut them up. You know, yeah. I mean, these are kind of, I pretty much call that a first world problem. These guys can't figure out how to price the lamb, but right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and restaurants have, you know, they always start off, oh, yeah, we want the whole lamb. Yeah. And then, well, <laughs> you know, we really don't want the neck, and we don't want to, you know. Yeah. Now, we have a we have a nuclear reactor here in the county. Okay. And I've been trying to, I've been trying to rent some ground over there by it, because I figure that if I could get some lambs that had six shanks, I could really make some money. 
and I will buy those genetics if you can get them to do that. Because that is my that has turned into one of my favorite uh, cuts of meat once I figured out how to do it. And uh, how to cook it? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would like a six legged lamb with shanks, you know, that weigh three (laughs) or four pounds of meat. If we get to pick. Okay, so you want you you want it to have six back legs. Yes. All right, I'll 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 see what I can do. That's funny. Uh, they they could be sterile, Robert. I don't know. I don't care. You I don't know. care. <laughs> we'll figure something <laughs> okay. out. Okay. All right. Modern technology. <laughs> Robert's planning on cloning them. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you you've been in the industry for we said about twenty five years now. Um, what kind of changes have you seen in the in the sheep industry um, since the early days? I mean, how have you seen the breed change? Um, how have you seen the industry as a whole change? Um, well, some things haven't changed hardly at all. And the main thing I see that hasn't changed is most people don't have any idea what their market is going to be when they start raising sheep. Yeah. And because they don't know what their market's going to be, they don't know what they ought to be buying or how they ought to be raising it or, or, or anything else. So, uh, uh, and is that because, and you know, our breed traditionally has not had a lot of young people raising sheep. It's been people who are older you know, back to the landers or one current modern day homesteaders or somebody, you mm-hmm. know, and um, if you just want to have a few sheep to to have some meat to eat, that's one thing. But boy, with this breed, you can double your numbers pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you'd better have a plan for what you're, what you're going to do with those mm-hmm. sheep. Um, now what I like that's changed in the last 25 years is there's so much more science and we're getting so much, uh, you know, you can pretty well pick and choose what you want to do. If you want great big sheep, there are people out there that will sell you great big sheep. Mm -hmm. If you like to feed sheep, you can buy sheep that really like to be fed well hell they all really like to be fed but oh, yeah. you can buy ones that really need to be fed yeah um and if you just want to have some easy keepers that's out there too and rather than having to just believe it when somebody tells you that now we've got numbers and data that you can look at and actually be <clears throat> relatively certain that if not this ram, then the next NSP ram will throw you animals that do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's just, I don't know, I'm a numbers guy, always have been a numbers guy. Um, I, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And, and I what, enjoy educating people about it. One thing uh, I get in a, I don't say argument, I say it's a debate, because it's a debate if, if grown adults can discuss stuff. So, so a debate that, that gets tossed around all the time is, you know, well, the, the size of the, of the breed, it's all, you know, 
like you said, some people want a 400 pound Ram and some people want a 200 pound Ram. And, um, you know, I, I'm a quarter horse guy. So, so my horses are more reigning bred type. So, you know, a 14, three, 15 hand quarter horse is a, is, is pretty much the norm in, in that industry. Well, I've got a friend just up the road, probably 30, 40 miles. She does jumping horses. Well, they're 16 and a half hand quarter horses. They're the same breed, uh-huh. you know, but they're totally different animals. One of them has been selectively bred to cut a cow or work a, a cow. And the other one has been selected for long legs, long reach, and can jump over a building. Um, and, and I think we've done the same thing with, with sheep. I'm sure Mr. Peel didn't start out going, all right, now we got to divide this up into little sheep and the big sheep. <laughs> you know, he started out with the same sheep. We did the other, you know, we as, you know, we're good at screwing stuff up. So we took it and made it two or three different animals, you know? Um, well, I, I, I really like what the Coopworths used to do. It didn't matter what, who your siren dam was. You weren't a Coopworth unless you met some of the following qualifications, you know? Um, he was just a, he was just a sheep otherwise. But if you were going to get registered as a Coopworth, you were this, that, and the other. And, uh, they no longer do that because people wanted more diversity in the breed. Uh, I mean, can you imagine? Okay, Mark Dennis and I are going to sit down and we're going to write up the breed standards. That'll be a long you know, debate. Must weigh 200 pounds at 120 days. Must, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> let let people do what they want to do with them. And, yeah. and, and they are. I mean, I've never figured out why you would want your Katahdins to be Colombians unless you just didn't like to shear Columbia's. And I wouldn't want to shear a 400 pound ram, but you know, yeah. 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 We, we can jack with anything and, and, and we've done a pretty good job of jacking with some of these sheep. Yeah. And that's a, that's something else that gets brought up as well. You know, until we get all of them the same size, you know, we're never going to make a dent. We're never going to make a dent in the industry anyway. You know, there's a process in plant in Australia. I think I've seen the, presentation on at asi this january that's doing six thousand lambs a day that would wipe our breed out in a couple months yeah i don't think that those six thousand lambs that they're doing are all exactly the same either no they're pretty uniform though uh, because a lot of it's automated yeah they're but i but what are you going to do change the registry you ain't changing nothing, to, uh, you know. Yeah. you end no, up with I mean, two I different mean, breeds, would, you know. I, <laughs> let 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 people do with their sheep what they want to do with their sheep. Yeah, and I, I I think it's I, nice. I don't understand why they're doing some things, but you know. Yeah. They didn't ask me. Yeah, that adaptability too of the breed, I think, is is pretty cool, and and, and I mean, you see it with other sheep breeds too, where you know there's you know, different breeders select on different things and, and that, you know, it works for different people. I mean, my sheep out here on pasture and, in uh, 
you know, I'm lambing April and, and all that and, you know, raising them on pasture all summer and it's irrigated pasture and, you know, we get somewhat cold winters. I mean, that that's likely going to, you know, be a, a different animal than say somebody on the coast is going to need or somebody up in Alaska or somebody <laughs> down in Florida. Um, you know, those animals are going to maybe look a little different or act a little different or have different traits. But I think that's one of the things that, that I've that, seen is really allowed Katahdin's to take off. It's up to the breeder, you know, yep. you, mm-hmm. you pick out what you want. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and, absolutely. And, and these the sheep can do it for you. Yeah. Um, I just, so, so over those 25 years since you started, um, if you had it to do over again, what would you, what would you do different? Um, what was, what was some of the mistakes you made that you fixed or some of the things that you accidentally did that turned out really great? <laughs> Anything stick out? Well, I, yeah, I, I, we have a, a grazing school here, you know, that you can go to, um, in fact, they're required to go to to qualify for some uh, some monies. And I didn't go to that school until I'd been grazing for a year. That was when Jim Garish was still oh. on on faculty at Mizzou. And uh, yeah. Jim got up there and he said, now here are 10 things that you should never do as a rotational grazer. And I looked at the list. <laughs> I looked at my notes, and I looked at the list, and I said, yeah, I did all 10 of those this year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Learning the grass curve, you know, learning that if you leave half, it'll come back a whole lot faster than if you take it, you know. Boy, that that is so tough. Golly, that is so tough. Oh, it is. It is, and I I overgraze consistently. I mean. Yeah, me too. um, yeah, I mean, I, I I had them all here until a week ago, and they had knocked this forty acres in the head. And this is not my most productive soil because this is all strip mine. You know, the farm over by the highway was just agriculturally mine. You know, hmm. um, and so that grass was over there ready and. You know, I wanted to get everybody vaccinated and do this and do that and the other and probably waited a couple weeks longer than I should have. And it'll take a long time for this to come back now. Um, So that's the matching your stock density to the amount of grass that you have and leaving enough that you get some decent regrowth. If, If you can get that figured out. That'll also help with your worm problem because he won't be grazing it right down to the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I've learned is that you don't have to work nearly as hard at it as you think when you get started. You know, if I worked as hard on all these hundred views every year as I worked on those two that I started with, you know, I, I couldn't do it. You know? Yeah. That's one of my biggest I mean, uh, recommendations is people say, uh, you know, what, what do you recommend? I'm just starting out. And I'm like, well, after the first year or two, look out in your crystal ball and see where you want to go, kind of make a plan and then start working on your dang facilities right now. 
because you, and me and my wife, up up until we got about twenty or thirty sheep, we were doing everything. You know, we're picking up every ewe and flipping them up, and you know, doing that to vaccinate them. And I mean, it, you know, it takes a half a day to do twenty-five, thirty ewes and their lambs, and you just don't feel like yeah. talking to each other for two or three days. And and now with all my systems and my shoot, and my alleys, and you know, I can run a hundred through in, in two hours, three hours by myself. And I, I don't even sweat hardly, you know, and I, I feel like going to eat after I'm done or, or, or going fishing or whatever. I, I'm not dead for two days. And so I, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I want people to look out far enough for the crystal ball and then make a plan, you know, for, for making that adjustment right up front. Don't wait till you can't walk, you know. <laughs> Automatic vaccination machine oh my gosh yes you know i got my wife one for valentine's day one year and that was just like the nicest gift you could give her now since then she's let me do all the vaccinations but you know it's all right it's still a nice gift you still got a nice um, tool it's just an awfully nice tool and you don't have I, I don't know why they tell you to give it to them in the armpit I shoot them just like a dog, you know, just make a little tent up over the spine and slip it in there and hmm. have never had any problems doing that. I bought this little steromatic thing, uh, that goes on the end of a needle or n- end of a syringe and, uh, and it sterilizes the needle ever shot. And that little tab's good for a hundred doses. And, um, wow. And, and it, it has a, um, I don't know who put me on it probably somebody in the UK. Uh, I've got a, I, I asked a question one time at Facebook. I was at that point where, you know, I'd broke my $30 cheapo, you know, two or three dose deal. And I'm like, what do you guys with a thousand sheep? What do y'all use? You know, I don't want to hear about Joe over here with 20 sheep swapping needles every time. I want somebody that's got a thousand, five thousand, hundred thousand sheep. Show me your gun. Show me what you're using you know, back to, you know, fixing stuff. I want I want those tools right now too. And to come to find out they cost the same. There was probably not $10 yeah. difference from that cheap old tractor supply, uh, syringe that I had versus the one I got now, you know? And, uh, yep. so anyway, <laughs> that little stirromatic deal, it screws on the end, uh, of my gun or my syringe and, and the needle goes through it. And it has a spring-loaded tip on the end. So you, you size it like I'm using an inch needle. And the needle will only come out when, when – oh, by the way, the needle is not exposed. So when you're walking around with your gun, the needle is not stuck out all the time. And uh, But when you push it against the skin, it, it sticks out, and it goes in that lamb a half inch every time. Perfect. Wow. And uh, so you don't have to squeeze and pinch the skin. And, you know, it's just uh, – poke them and go. And, uh, that, that has been a, a game changer for me as far as time and, and, uh, and energy, you know, it, that's really nice. And I use Covex and eight and everybody, Oh my gosh, you get these big knots, you get all this. I don't get any of that. And I attribute it to the sterile part of my needle. I really mm-hmm. think that is, mm-hmm. is what's keeping me from getting the knots that everybody says they get. Yeah, I I get knots more with the uh, with the CLA vaccine, um, the case back. Yeah, um, 
And you can you can also get I just do CDT as my other vaccination. And if you don't rub that, yeah, you'll see where. Hmm, I'll have to try that needle thing. That that sounds great. Oh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, I'm I'm always I'm always willing to try something easier <laughs> than what I'm doing. I spent my life doing harder, you know. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, what else? What else would you like? What other words of wisdom would you like? Well, I think one thing that that could be great, you know, we we've had um, some listeners reach out that, you know, are, are newer shepherds or whatever. They're just getting started. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about maybe some advice that you would have for somebody that's just getting started. Um, one, maybe, and maybe they're the same advice. I don't know, but advice for somebody that's been involved in agriculture, maybe somebody that's raised say cattle or something. Um, and then also those who have never, you know, never had any livestock before. I mean, they haven't even had a, a chicken in their backyard. Um, maybe tell us, you know, what would be your advice to, to those people um, that are just getting started with sheep? Well, my advice to the, the first group, the people that have had cattle is, they're not little cows, hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're different. They're not any harder. I don't think than cattle, but they're not little cows and you can't treat them like little cows. And the advice I'd give to, uh, the people who've never had any animals before is congratulations. You don't have to unlearn a bunch of stuff. <laughs> you know, get, get, get yourself a good book or get yourself somebody that you can call on the phone and just jump in. Don't, don't be afraid of it. When I got those first two U's, one of them had a little ram lamb who'd been weathered, and I'm out there the next week, and I'm looking at that animal, and I look at it, and it has a horrible green, pussy, <laughs> nasty infection down there where it's been banded. Uh. And man, I go I go in the house and I call Nancy and I said, I've never seen anything like she said, I've I have no idea. I've never seen that. Do you have any neosporin or something? And I said, Yeah and she said, Well go go put some of that on there and I went back and I caught that weather and I tipped him up and she had banded him with a bright green phosphorescent band. There was nothing wrong with the sheep at all. <laughs> Just with me, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> um, just just jump in and do it, you know. Um, and have fun, you know. That's that's something I tell. And them. have fun, yeah. I mean, absolutely, have fun. You're, you're going to kill some of them, yeah. And I feel horrible about it when I do, but you know, there's going to be a whole lot more next year. That's why you have a hundred, right? And enjoy yourself. <laughs> that's what exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, so I felt it's a, you know if if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't don't try and tell don't try and tell me it's because you're making so much money on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I I felt bad. Yeah. You know, those first couple lambs you lose, you you feel terrible. You're like, man, I I killed them. I feel terrible. I mean, I mean, you know, you you really don't kill them. They just what, what you do, I mean, I have literally yeah. killed some, you know. 
Um, yeah. Sometimes with kindness, sometimes with stupidity, but yeah, they're still yeah. dead. And yeah. yeah. You feel horrible. But somebody told me once, they're like, you know, when you raise livestock, you're going to have dead stock. And uh, I just, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the reality. You just got to live with it, do the best you can. I mean, you try to keep them alive and the ones that take more trying to keep alive than the other ones, those ones you can, they, they make a great meal. Um, But, but yeah, you just, you, you can't, uh, can't give up when you, when you lose one. Nature is red in fang and claw. I mean, you're keeping a lot more of them alive than if they were living out there feral. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <Yep. laughs> and I, I, I try and afford mine a, a fine quality of life right up until we eat them, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to abuse an animal or anything, you know, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's a good selling point with your customers when they can come out and see happy and contented and, and, you know, well-fleshed sheep running around doing what sheep ought to be doing, um, eating. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it's kind of an avocation rather than a, than a job, I think. Well, uh, Look, Kevin, guys, if, you got any questions for us? That, I, I'm really tickled that you're doing this. It's been a lot of fun. It really has. And uh, we're going to get to talk to people that, um, you know, I've only talked to you a couple of times over the years. So this has been a lot of fun getting to know you more. And uh, and there's going to be a lot of people I've never talked to that we're going to reach out to. And, and Caleb's the same way. And, and it's 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 been a great uh, – we've had great feedback from everybody. So, yeah, it's we're looking forward to uh, to doing a lot more and – and and we've had people ask us questions already. So uh, here after a couple episodes, we get enough of them. We're going to do one just question and answer deal, you know. So uh, we've got a lot, sure, of, sure. lot of potential right. to ask a lot of a lot of people some questions. And hopefully, because we all have the same, we were all in the, and we all started it at the don't know anything stage. And we all had questions and we all wanted to know how people did it. And, um, so that's, that's, that was our whole goal with this was to expose the, the breeders that have been doing it a long time that, that could really mentor people with their thoughts and, and processes and, you know, what they've learned, you know? So, yeah, it's been great. Well, and th- thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Well, I, I don't talk politics and I don't talk religion with folks because I really don't care, you know, um, you're, you're always free to believe anything that you want to, but sheep, uh, my experience with people that raise sheep is that they are for the most part, awfully good folks and awfully willing to take the time to spend talking to you. And, you know, that's something you know, I tell people they, too. They, I, they, we raised cattle for a long time and uh and then we still have horses and and both of those are total different worlds but the sheep people man it is a tight i've never had nobody not take my call and answer a question if i if i was willing to call them and ask you know and uh everybody's been so outstanding and and just like this podcast you know i had somebody reach out to me 
and said, oh man, great podcast. You know, I didn't agree with something Mark said. And I'm like, well, Hey, that's great. When, when we get you on, you can say something that, you know, somebody else might not agree with. That's, that's why we're doing this. We, there's not a black and white way of doing things, you know? So, uh, no, there's, I mean, that's why we're doing it. So everybody, yeah. So everybody can see, you know, the different way. Uh, I, I've probably been on, I bet I've been on 70 to a hundred different sheep and goat farms over the last five or six years. And I learned something from every one of them, uh, whether it's good, bad, or don't do it, you know, and, uh, yeah, none, well, and I can tell you, nobody's doing this. What you learn is don't do it this way. Exactly. You know? that's, that's still a valuable lesson. That's huge. It's a money well, saver, you know? Well, gentlemen, my well, wife's been down here three times now asking me if I was still on the phone. So I'm well, good deal. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll uh, get, well, get uh, uh, talking to you talking later. to both of you. And uh, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Robert, Caleb, good night. Uh, bye. Well, whether you were trying to increase your soil fertility uh, from a reclaimed coal mine like David was or uh, wanting to experiment with a Texel crossbreeding program. Uh, our conversation with Dave took care of all that for you. So uh, one thing we f forgot to ask Dave was uh, to get his contact information out for everybody. Um, and I don't want to give that out without his permission. So if you want to go to the Katahdin website, katahdins.org, and go to the membership directory, uh, Dave's phone number and email address is there for for anybody that wants to reach out to Dave and discuss uh, any of this in detail. And uh, thank Dave very much for uh, giving us a chance to speak with him. Thanks for listening to the Sheep Things podcast. Stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates. We want your feedback, so you can email us at podcast at sheepthings.com for suggestions or comments. Thank you and see you later.